Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me and I'm back in my normal spot and what are we on? Quarter, quarter seven in the morning on Saturday um, and I don't know how we're going to go today because to be honest it's been a weird first week back from holiday uh, in terms of the fact that I've kind of knuckled down and got some work done and actually been quite uh, productive um, as far as work's concerned but I have not lifted my head much so consequently not a lot has really dropped into my orbit at this this particular week so we might in five minutes time we might be done but let's see how we crack on uh, and I'll start with a bit of that twangy guitar <laughs> As it turns out, after I spoke to you last time, plans changed a little bit. And um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but the point we were due to um, travel home on the Saturday, there was a Force 9 gale in the channel. Um, and it was one of those freak moments where the the five-hour window of bad weather was the five-hour window that we were due to be on a ferry um, travelling through that particular stretch of water. And the shipping forecast, which was producing uh, force nine gales and seas uh, rough to very rough, didn't seem something that, that would be particularly enjoyable. And um, Jack particularly is not somebody who would have enjoyed that. So we, I mean, we're in a fortunate position that we were able to just make the decision to take the hit and to abandon the ferry and book the um, the Channel Tunnel and 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 take a different journey home. Um, and what that meant was that we didn't take the ferry on Saturday. We did the tunnel uh, early on Sunday morning, and we therefore had to stay an extra night in France. And we stayed an extra night in Rouen. And Rouen is fantastic, absolutely beautiful. Not somewhere I'd thought about going before. Um, a couple of hours away from Calais. Um, didn't realise it. Well, I, well, actually, I remembered while we were there. Uh, we were we were talking, and I was we were in this beautiful square, and I and I just said, I'm sure there's something about ruin. And, th- and then I said, Isn't this where uh, Joan of Arc was was burned at the stake? And it was. Um, but in terms of the the, the architecture, it's kind of had a bit of a York, bit of a Chester kind of feel about it. Beautiful cathedral. And obviously, it's also on the the River Seine as well. So um, we arrived in enough time to go for a... uh, It was free bus day in Rouen. Don't ask me why it was free bus day in Rouen. But we jumped on a bus and uh, the the Ibis we were staying in was was sort of about a mile and a half away from the the centre. So we jumped on a free bus and went straight in and had a walk around. And it's it's a, a very engaging place. And then the next morning, I was able to get up and go for a run and have a run along the Seine, which was also fantastic. Um, you know, not a, 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 I mean, obviously, at some point, I may well be in Paris, and I may well go for a run, I may well go for a run along the Seine. But um, that's not anywhere in the in my future, as far as I can tell. So to get to have a run along the Seine over there was 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 really incredible. Um, and then there's this this building, which I still didn't quite work out what it was in this kind of uh, market square, or I don't think it was market square, some form of square. Um, that was that was like a dragon. The the roof, um, the way the roof was done, it was it was like a dragon's um, a dragon's face and then a dragon's body and a long dragon's tail. Uh, and I'll have to try and find out what that that building actually is. But that was that was absolutely fantastic. It was you know um, particularly when you when you worked out what it was. It initially just looked like a strange shaped roof, and then 
then you worked out exactly what it was. It was it was really quite quite great. So although the journey didn't go the way it was planned to be, and and you know, and, and as I say, we're in a fortunate position that we could we could just pick up that extra bit of cost to make a decision for, for what was a nicer journey home. Uh, Rouen turned out to be the absolute bonus. Tuesday. On a, I guess what seems a slightly mundane thing, but I suppose it's not actually, when you think about it, it's not mundane at all. Um, Wilco was um, a, not a shock, actually. The, the fact that Wilco is closing isn't a shock per se, but it is something that's really sad and disappointing. Um, for those of you who who live a long way away, um, then Wilco is a um, it's a, a, a kind of a, a discount, not really homewares. It's a general kind of household store that's kind of always been discount. So it's always done things like um, DIY and decorating and homewares and kitchen wares and things like uh, toiletries and, and that kind of thing and it's been going as long as I can remember it's been a um, you know it's a it's been around a long long time I don't know the exact time scale but certainly all my life it's been there been a constant and it's just been one of those places on the high street which is which has been very good value it's been a, a, a place to be able to go and to, to get things that a lot of families will need at a reasonable price and I, I accept the fact that in the time that Wilco's been around, others have come along doing similar sorts of things. But Wilco's always held a special kind of part or place in, in a lot of people's hearts. And it's, you know, 400 odd, 400 and odd stores on the high street. So it's, um, it's, it's definitely a fixture. And it's obviously gone into administration. And we don't know yet whether it will be saved or, or not. And it's, it's probably the one that's closest um, to Woolworths when Woolworths uh, closed down however long ago that was that must be you know I guess probably 15 years ago now um, but it's the the one that feels closest to that and we've lost a lot of stores in the meantime but it's the one that feels closest to that I, I can't say it's a particular surprise I've I, I, I think Wilco was in trouble all the way through the pandemic because it seemed to have major supply chain issues uh, if you walked in um, through that time and it's never really recovered but it it got me thinking about Huddersfield and it got me thinking about what at the point when when Wilco's goes what's disappeared from Huddersfield because because Alice and I were talking about the fact that Huddersfield always feels a relatively uncomfortable place uh, to go through Uh, it's not the nicest of of, of town centres to spend any any time in Um, and I think part of that is down to I think there's a couple of reasons one uh, we we had a shopping centre open, and I don't think that actually did the the town centre any favours at all, uh, because it relocated some people away from the main the main high street and and started the process of leaving stores you know vacant. But I think at the same time you look at what's closed in the last you know ten to fifteen years, and there's been a lot that's disappeared from Huddersfield. And when you think about those kind of level of stores going. Then, then that's a big deal. I mean, we've lost an M&S and we've lost a BHS and we've lost a House of Fraser and we've lost a Waterstones and we're about to lose a Wilco's and we've lost a Burton's and um, I'm assuming we lost a Dorothy Perkins and you carry on going through this list and it's a, it's a lot of what we would have expected to be in a, in a town or city centre that's now that's now no longer there. And of course, nothing's come along to replace any of those, any of those stores. Um, 
but it's then the detriment effect, as I said, to the actual the actual centre itself and what you're left with and what you're left with now is 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 not a nice not a nice place to be. Um, but but back to Wilco, I don't know how Wilco's going to fare. I don't know what's I don't know whether there's going to be some form of limited buyout. I don't know whether some of the stores will continue. I'm not quite sure. It might become an online only thing. But in of itself, it had almost ceased to be what it what it used to be, and it it is. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's difficult to say it's another nail in the coffin of the high street, but it, we, we're going to have to come up with a plan for high streets pretty quickly, because otherwise we are that that part of our community life is is, is absolutely being ripped out, and some of it, you know, some of it is, I, I get some of it, but some of it's now a point where maybe, I mean, I mean, if you look at the figures, when the the online offline splits have actually virtually gone back to what they were. Before the pandemic, it was roughly 70-30 online versus offline transactions before the pandemic. And it's back to 65-35 now. So it's not that there isn't a desire to use physical locations. For whatever reason, physical retailing is just is ju- just not possible, whether it's business rates, whether it's actual cost of, of, of property, whether it's the kind of properties available, whether it's car parking, for whatever reason, it's just not possible and we we need to do something before it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy that it looks like it's going to end up being wednesday i stumbled on a showing of indiana jones and the dial of destiny at uh, the odeon our local odeon at 10 to 4 today so i thought that's it this is my last chance i'm not gonna if i don't go now i'm not gonna get to see this this film in the cinema so i paid my five pound saver odeon ticket rate which is really really good actually i mean really really good i mean you can get to the cinema around here for not a lot of cash so i paid my five pound cinema uh, rate and i toddled down and sat through two and a half hours of indiana jones and the dial of destiny and it's absolute nonsense um there it definitely it harks back to the the first the initial three films far more than the than the fourth one did than the crystal skull did so in that respect um it, it it's certainly a, an improvement though i don't think crystal skull uh king of the crystal skull is as bad as a lot of other people say so i don't think it's that much better than than crystal skull some, there's some nice stuff in that anyway um the two the two things that are um, there's some there's some nice things at the beginning that deal with the aging uh, a little bit the 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 de-aged sequence at the beginning is pure Indiana Jones and is very 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 well done uh, and that does hark back to um, the original films particularly particularly the third one um, there's a lot of there's a lot of Temple of Doom in in uh, it's not Temple of Doom is it it's Last Crusade in that opening sequence, which which I think is very very clever, the performances are are fine. Um, he carries off that role as well as an eighty year old can. You have to suspend, um, you know, disbelief at the beginning because the whole age thing makes no sense. But he carries it off as well as it can be carried off. Um, and the the there's a lovely sequence um, between him and Karen Allen at the end. Um, the story goes off into La La. Uh, and you just have to accept when the story goes off into La La um, in a way that it doesn't as much with the originals. So you you kind of you kind of bizarrely accept the fact about the uh, about the the Ark of the Covenant, 
and you almost accept the fact about the Holy Grail, but you can't deal with the the bit of time travel um, in this, which which you know. So they 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 that bit of it all feels all feels kind of wrong, um, and you just have to go with that realistically. So it gets a bit daft for the last you know the last three three quarters of an hour, but Phoebe Waller-Bridge is absolutely tremendous and um and and just just carries it off absolutely beautifully and proves that she is a star capable uh, of 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 working on the big screen um as well as as well as anybody she's got a uh, her timing uh, is 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 absolutely phenomenal and she can carry off this kind of thing and i can see lots of areas where she could she could now ascend into into sort of you know being the darling of Hollywood because how how can you not love her? Um, you know I thought Fleabag was amazing. I think everything she's done's been absolutely amazing, but I, I I think she's great in this. So it's it's worth seeing for for her alone and for the one sequence at the end with with him and Karen Allen is actually it's it was it was worth it was worth two and a half hours of absolute hokum. <laughs> There's a culture war coming. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt. Um, I don't see any other way that we don't end up with situations like we've had this week uh, or over the weekend um, carrying on as we get closer to the election because I don't see anywhere else the Tories have got to go in terms of fighting the next election than by divide and conquer, than by just continuing to find things to get us exercised and angry about and at each other's throats. And um, if you want this in if you want this in kind of example form, then then you look at Lee Anderson. And Lee Anderson is uh, an MP um, around Sutton Ashfield, I think. Um, and um, he's working class stock, um, but he's ended up being deputy chairman of the Tory party. And he's he's there. Attack dog's the wrong phrase. He's the he's the useful person that is going to say out loud what we think a lot of uh, conservatives are thinking, but he's going to say it in plain language. Um, so he made some very disparaging comments um, the other day about uh, asylum seekers who should um, do one, who should just take themselves back off to wherever. Uh, and he and he used very very stark language to make the to make the point. Um, he's made very uh, you know various points about what you can and you can't do in terms of managing your money and what you should be able to do. Um, in in terms of running your household, he's he's a, a deeply offensive human being. He's made uh, lots of comments that would be transphobic and be homophobic, um, but he's also, without a shadow of a doubt, going to going to appeal to a, a part of the electorate, uh, and and he clearly will appeal to the red wall. But I think it's just another example of how we're we're in for. A war on woke. We're in for any number of things that people would class as being just, just you know, um, humane. I guess um, are go- are going to be in the firing line because there literally is nowhere else to go. There won't be anywhere to point to in any of the last thirteen years with a record and accepting everything that's happened in that time. Um, there's going to be nothing to point to as a positive that you can say is an improvement on people's lives. So we are just going to, we are just going to label and we are going to point and we are going to do anything that we can 
um, to 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 fight an election on those terms, and then we're going to label wherever we can um, anybody from the Labour Party or from wherever just to just to divide and conquer. So it's it's a shame, but we are in for a bile-filled time uh, when it comes round, and of course it's looking now like it might be put off as late as January 2025, which is which is absolutely as late as it possibly can be. Um, because there is, you know, why wouldn't you wait as long as you can in the hope that something happens that gives you a break if you're a conservative because there's nothing else, there's nothing else coming. The poll numbers aren't moving at all. There's nothing coming down the track with the economy that's going to get us to a place where we don't feel anything like just back to some kind of, some kind of, um, sort of normality. We're certainly not going to feel, uh, better off than we did pre-pandemic so and we're certainly not going to feel better off than we did pre-financial crash so yeah I, I i don't see any other way around the portents are there it's not just him there's there's a there's a new rat and we know what braverman's like and we know what what Teresa coffee's like and some of the others but there seems to be a whole new raft of them coming through now that are just spinning the same lines and using the same tactics and i don't quite know you know what we do, other than not engage, because every time we engage, we get we get dragged in. So we're just going to have to let it see if 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 we starve it of oxygen, maybe it will maybe it will die out. I don't know. Friday. While I was away, I read a book by Ben uh, Aronovich, and. I stumbled upon it in a, in a charity shop. Uh, it's a, a cover I'd seen before, um, which took me back to a place in time. And I thought, oh, that that's something I noticed in the past. Uh, it's called Rivers of London. Um, I read the first paragraph and uh, and chuckled, which is always a good sign. Um, and it's it didn't move the dial. It did not move the dial at all in terms of it's not in the list of my 10 books that I should read in a lifetime or 10 books that are, even if they're not in anybody else's list, have meant the most to me. Um, it was a, a very, very creative, very engaging um, romp that went nowhere near where I thought it was going to go. And it made me smile a lot and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and I'm going to commend it to you um, just just on that basis. I, I, I don't know how else to commend it to you so I'll commend it to you on the basis of the fact that you're you are not going to educate yourself you're not going to enlighten yourself you're not going to do any of those things but you are going to smile and you are going to keep turning the page and go wow I didn't see that coming um so um there's other things I could have said as the last thing today I, I could have talked about barges I could have talked about legionnaires I could have talked about the inhumanity of the whole thing around that process um but let's not finish there it's the weekend let's finish on let's finish on a book and let's finish on a book that 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 brought a a sense of uh, sort of uh, joy and um and and you know um I just didn't expect. So, 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 whatever that. The, what, what is the 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 more erudite way of saying? I didn't expect this, but I really enjoyed it. Then I didn't expect it, but I I really enjoyed it. So I'll leave you with that. Now he, he's written loads of them. It turns out that I think there's about nine or ten of these books. Whether I'll pile through all of them because I wonder whether you can sustain it 
um, over a period of time. But I'm certainly going to read the next one and see how we get on. But you you could just read Rivers of London, just go with it, and just just do that one because it is it it is fr- frankly um, off the charts bonkers. So give that one a go. Uh, I'll put a link in the in the notes. Uh, I hope you well. Um, I hope you had a good week, and I will speak to you soon. <laughs> therapy for me then please subscribe and share as you see fit this has been an a short stories production